Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would. Welcome all of you watching online. So glad that you've chosen to spend a little time with us this morning. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we are so thrilled, again, to have you with us at summertime. A lot of things going on uh, in our world, and we're just glad that you've taken a moment to spend some time with us. I began talking about expectations last week. Uh, Expectations oftentimes shift for many reasons, I'll share some of those with you today, but sometimes our expectations shift on by what we see uh, or what we don't see. So if, if, for instance, things are going a little rough for you right now, you may have adjusted your expectations to the season in which you're living. And I would discourage you from doing that and encourage you to maintain the level of expectations that you've had based on your faith and God's promises instead of what you are seeing or not seeing right now. For instance, uh, there may have been a time that you were praying for a child or a spouse or a loved one to be saved, and they were doing okay, but as you started praying for them, they seemed to get worse, at least a handful of you. And, and so with that, you had this expectation and this incredible hope that they would turn their life around. Things were looking good, and they started going down. And when, with that, your expectation that God would do something began to sink as they were sinking. And I want to challenge us to not allow our expectations to change based on what we're seeing or not seeing. Our expectations are established because of this book. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Whatsoever things you ask in my name, I'll do it. That the Father in heaven would be glorified in the Son. And and the outcome of people seeing that he is alive. He does do miracles. He's still working. And we have to hold on to that promise. Uh, There was a season in my life. My mother was uh, pretty much responsible for raising us. My dad worked 16 hours a day. And uh, my older brother and I were visibly not serving God. Now, my little brother was a covert sinner. He had a lot more uh, going for him in understanding that he had watched the two older ones. And he thought, you know, I may do some things, but it ain't going to be as obvious as them. And so... My mother, bless her heart, raised us, took us to church until we were old enough to drive or she'd make us go to church. And, and, uh, but once we got independent, if you will, 
that restriction was lifted because working in my dad's world was more the most important thing to do because he worked on Sundays. He worked all the time until I was in my upper teens. And so we had that precedent that work was important. So I got a job. I worked Sundays, and that was my excuse. Well, you have to understand, my mother, we were pretty good kids growing up, but we began to wane in, in her eyes, and we began to not follow the path that she was leading us down and uh, but I will say this my mother never lost her expectations that God would bring us into his kingdom and uh, he did you know my older brother and I got saved the same year Uh, he was about six months before me so I was the only one in our family not serving God and it was real lonely for a while because I always looked to my older brother he was a worse sinner than me And I thought, well, you know, uh, God, at least there's somebody I know in my life that's worse than me. So there is hope. And uh, so anyway, with that said, as I talk about expectations and change, you may recall, and I'll recap a little bit of last week, that I can't uh, change anyone, neither can you. And we oftentimes have an expectation that people should change, and maybe they should. But you can't expect them to change because you put pressure on them. Or that you issue ultimatums. Oftentimes, ultimatums will push them further away. So what I said last week was that I have to then have expectations of myself to be able to continue to believe when I don't see the changes I feel like need to happen in somebody's life. But I can expect my faith to increase and, and so that I don't lose hope and I don't lose faith while I'm hoping and praying for someone else. And you may not like how your spouse is behaving. I said that. I said, so you say, I expect them to change. And yet God says, why don't you change to be able to handle their stupidity? That's just putting it real graphically in Mark Crow form. Is that sometimes we have to change when somebody else is not changing. And, And we won't change if we're stubborn and in the flesh. We will never change. Because we want them to change to make our life easier. Well, what I've determined is sometimes the difficulty we're facing is allowed so that our faith will increase. So that we will grow. There's that old saying, no pain, no gain. When in pain, train. I mean, you've got to be able to fight through things. And uh, get on the other side. So, uh, so many times we have these expectations of others. And I'm just saying, you'll probably live a miserable life if you have expectations of I have high expectations for myself. Uh, I, I wish everyone well. And I hope other people change that, that are unhappy. I expect that God will intervene. All those things. But I'm not going to allow myself to get depressed or discouraged when things don't change the way I think they should, okay? So uh, last week I read this, Psalm 5.3. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Now, it bothers me that he says in the morning. I wish he would have just said, Lord, listen, listen to my voice all day. But what I believe the psalmist is saying is at the outset of the day, if you want to live a life of peace... Bring your petitions to God when you wake up. Say, God, listen this morning. I'm, I've got a day ahead of me, and I want you to walk with me throughout this day. I want 
you to listen to me throughout this day. But it begins in the morning, and he says, Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Now, it, notice he doesn't say, I bring my request to my spouse, to my boss, to people I don't like or people that I need help from. He said, I'm bringing my request to you, God. And I believe that's the very most important thing is that we first bring our petitions to God. When we start asking other people to do things, there's nothing wrong with that, to be asked or to ask. But the reality is my great expectation, even if I ask you to do something, is that God will make up the slack if you don't do what you're supposed to do or he'll bring someone else to do it. But we oftentimes get mad at people See, I have expectations. When, my, when I was growing up, that was one thing my dad said, you, you, and, and I've messed up a lot of things, but one thing he said was be a person that if you say you're going to do something, do it. And, you know, I had to be going to the hospital to call in sick. And, and it, 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 you say, well, that's just terrible because you infect other people. I get that. But, but the reality was I was taught that if your boss is expecting you to show up and you don't show up, you're going to leave him or her in a lurch, and you need to be dependable. So if I didn't have a 103-degree temperature, I was going to work. Now, I know that that doesn't apply anymore because if you have 98.9, you're sick. You know, so people say, well, I just don't, I, I've got elevated temperature. So I don't have a lot of, of uh, natural grace for people that use that as, you know, and I've oftentimes seen people as well that, you know, you, you'll see them on Saturday, but you don't see them on Sunday at church. And, I, and Saturday, I'm like, you can go to a party on Saturday, but you can't come to church on Sunday? Now, this is where I get real old school on you. Let me just cast a little condemnation out there right now. So we excuse ourselves. We don't have high standards or expectations on ourselves. I have high expectations of myself that when I fall down, I'm going to get up. And I will fall down, and you will too. But when you fall down, I expect to get back up. I don't expect to whine. I don't expect you to feel sorry for me. I don't expect you to go, oh, poor Mark. I expect you to expect me to stand up and do what I said I would do. That's the greatest way to promote someone's Spiritual health is to have an expectation that they're going to be bigger than the problem. And so I th find it interesting. I was, uh, the, the, when, when a woman gets pregnant, what do they say? She's expecting. And you don't see anything. I mean, she's still got a flat tummy. And you don't see anything. But that doctor says, oh, you're pregnant. And, the, and, and then, and this is, I'm going to really, it, it's summertime. I'm just going to have some fun. When men say we're having a baby, I want to say, no, you're not. She is. You do not deserve to say we because you're not the ones who going to get fat and not be able to sleep at night. Thank you, women. I gave you an opportunity to really applaud me on this one. Thank you. We're pregnant. No, you're not pregnant. She is. Now, you can agree with her that we're expecting, but we're not pregnant. But I love that word, we're expecting. 
There's nine months of expectation, and there are a lot of things that go into that. Obviously, I mean, there are a lot of concerns. There are times where you get a little afraid, and, but you keep expecting. And that, that's a great word. We're expecting because it hasn't delivered yet, and, and it's in the oven, but you're still expecting. I heard a story told by a preacher that it was a mega, mega church, and that uh, had such a large staff, he didn't know everybody, and he didn't know everybody's personal life, even the ones he knew. He didn't know their personal life. He didn't know their personal challenges. And so they were having a staff meeting one day, and they're going around the table, and, and people are talking about, you know, uh, praise reports and prayer requests. And uh, this one particular lady, who was probably in her early 40s, as I recall the story, and uh, she said, uh, oh, I just want to let everybody know, she's the children's pastor, I want to let everybody know that uh, I'm going to be taking pregnancy leave, and uh, I've got everything covered, and so-and-so is going to cover this, and so-and-so is going to cover that, and, and the woman didn't look pregnant, didn't act pregnant, and actually was not pregnant. The pastor pulled one of his staff members aside, is she pregnant? I said, no, but she's been believing God for a long time. Long story short, guess what? She was expecting from God and became expecting when she got pregnant and, in fact, did have a child when everybody said it'll never happen. Everybody kind of just patronized her, but she never lost her expectation, and so much so that she declared it when she wasn't. Now, that is high expectation. Is when you can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't test for it positively, and you still say, I've already got my area covered. Now, that's the kind of faith I want to have. That's the kind of expectation I want to, want to live with is when I can't see it, can't feel it, can't touch it, that I believe because God put it in my heart and he made a promise, I'm going to stand on the promise. Because some of y'all have been praying for a long time and you've given up. You've just given up. Your expectation is gone. And so as I said last week, I began, the first point last week was, we have to begin to explore outside of what we know. We have to explore future possibilities, even though there's nothing to see. When the prophet told his servant to go look for a rain cloud, he kept looking and he just kept sending him back. Elijah just kept sending him back. And he saw a cloud the size of a hand, the Bible says. And the prophet said, now go tell the king it's getting ready to rain. Hold it. We live in Oklahoma. We've seen clouds that look really bad, and it just bypasses us. And then we've seen nothing, and it blows up on us. So, you, you know, the weather thing's always been a mystery. But in this particular case with Elijah, he said, I'm expecting rain. I saw my servant saw a cloud. I didn't even see it. Now, I'm thinking to myself, a servant's going, I'm tired of running. I'm just going to tell him there's a cloud out there. Because, I mean, think about it. He didn't even see it himself. He just had a servant tell him. And I'm thinking, yeah, that servant's sick and tired of running to look. But he believed and he expected and it happened. I guess where I'm at is looking and going, there are things that I don't see that I want to see that if I did see, I would probably, my expectations would grow. But faith is different. You don't have to see it to believe it, but you do have to believe it to see it. Because without faith, we can't please God. 
And so we stop moving when we, when we start waning in our faith. We start losing. And there are many people who get born again. They get real excited about going to church and serving God and being in the house of God. And, always, and then all of a sudden something happens and they miss a Sunday. And then they miss two Sundays in a row. And, and then they miss three. And all of a sudden it's over. They just allowed their schedule and the fact that they missed twice, all of a sudden that there's a magic number in everybody's head that if I miss so many times, I have to start over. You don't start over. You just stopped. You, just, you didn't go backwards. You just stopped. Somehow your expector got broken that, you know, you thought when you got born again, everything was going to be easy. And that's what I had hoped because my life, I had created a hard life for myself. And when I got born again, I just realized I... I had enlisted in the army of God. And when you get in the army, you get shot at. And so the devil will shoot at you, man. He might give you a month off after getting born again just to make you think everything's going to be perfect. He gives some people six months off. Then all of a sudden you hit, you hit something you're going, but, but I'm saved. <laughs> yeah, you are. And you need to be saved. Because what's going to come after you is going to require faith from you to stand against the storms of life. And storms of life come to everybody. And, and, and when people get born again, sometimes people believe that, you know, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a walk in the park. It's never a walk in the park if you're a Christian. Now, it can be if you choose to see it in the light of God. And you choose to take whatever challenge comes your way with a smile on your face and say, at the end of the day, I know how this plays out. I know that at the end of it all, I'm going to be a winner. I don't know how I'm going to get from where I am to where I want to be, but I'm going to follow Jesus every step of the way. I'm not going to bail. I'm not going to step out, and I'm not going to step away. So we have to explore. Exploration reveals new things, ideas, and new truths, and new things often disturb old ways. New things, new revelations often disturb old habits and old ways. And habits are hard to break. If you're used to doing something, if you're, you're used to living a certain way, you're used to doing certain things on Sunday, uh, you know, let's just say somebody gets saved and, and uh, they were always boating or golfing or something on Sunday and that was always their day. And I'm not saying they won't go to heaven, but let me say this. Church is not outdated. God never said, well, at the turn of, of when, when, when the calendar rips off and it's the year 2000, we don't need church anymore. Matter of fact, he said that we should not forsake coming to church as we see the day drawing nearer. He's saying, act church is going to get more important, not less important. And I'm not trying to get on, you're here. I mean, so I, I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but then you can go tell somebody how dumb they are, for, I mean, how they should be here. Because the point is, we, we think this is outdated, and then, and then church for years, and I was a part of it, became an entertainment capital, and you know, and then one day I wake up after having 10,000 plus people at the State Fair Arena, and 900 people getting born again, and I hear these words, whatever you catch them with, that's what it'll take to keep them. In other words, if you're going to be entertaining, you're going to have to create entertainment every week. But if you preach the word, you do worship, you teach the kids, he said, those things you do every week, and you can build on that. You can gather the other way, but you can't build the other way. 
And so that got my attention. I immediately quit having those events. And not that they're wrong, not that they're a sin. That wasn't the case. But I shifted my expectations to believe that a sovereign move of God is possible. That he really doesn't need my creativity that much, but he does need my faith. We oftentimes try to get creative. We change things up. There's not anything necessarily wrong with it, it unless it starts replacing our faith. Is my faith in the event? Is my faith in my creativity? Or is my faith in God? Summer times have always been hard for me as a pastor because people do go vacation. They do a lot of things. Kids are playing softball. They're going to swimming pool. They're doing a lot of things. And so it's always been difficult for me. I've had to fight through it, and I'm better than I've ever been, but I'm still not over it. I wish I could tell you I'm just fine. No, it sucks when people decide to take a month off. And I'm like, really? I just, it'd just be so cool if I was God. I would, I would come back in phases. I wouldn't return at one time. I'd just return for certain groups of people. And there'd be all these missing people, and other people would start searching for the missing people, and they'd find out they went with Jesus, and maybe they'd get saved. <laughs> kind of like, it'd be kind of like Southwest Airlines. You're in group A. Group A's gone. Oh, my God, where's group A? <laughs> and you're like in like one of these groups down the line. I'm going to wait. I've got to get a seat. It'll be a middle seat, I know, but I'm going to get on. That's just what I would propose. God hasn't asked me to be involved. I've watched a little blip of, I don't know how many of you watched Andy Griffith when when you were younger, but there was a meme with him talking to Opie, and Opie's asking when God's going to send Jesus back, when he's going to return. And as in Andy Griffith's style, he said, well, son, he said, we're on the welcoming committee, not the planning committee. <laughs> so we're just prepared to welcome him back when he comes. And we don't know when that is, but we do know that it, that it will happen. One person said, man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. You won't discover more of God if you're hanging on to how you were introduced to God. My introduction to God came with a lot of do's and don'ts. My expectation was that I would go to heaven if I was good. I would go to heaven if I did all the right things. I would go to heaven if I never sinned. I would go to heaven if I never missed church. I would go to heaven. All of those things were kind of my expectations once I got born again. And as I began to seek God and read the Bible and find out what it meant to be saved and how I was saved and why I was saved, I realized those were not what saved me, but those were the things that helped keep, keep me saved, if you will. And when I say keep me saved, I don't mean literally keep me saved, but keep me in sync with God. Because he said, I'll never leave you nor, nor forsake you. When God penciled my name in, actually he didn't pencil it in, he put it in ink in the Lamb's Book of Life. That God's not waking up one day, eh, Mark hadn't really done that well for the last month, so let me erase the last name. And see what happens. Maybe I'll have to erase the first name. So, but, but the point being that I thought 
those things were the things that would keep me in good standing with God. When in reality, I was totally wrong. And I began to grow as I attended church, and I began to seek God, and finally found a church that I felt like best represented the Word of God. And that they talked about grace, they talked about the empowerment to live the life you want to live, not the life you have to live. There's a big difference. When you fall in love with somebody, it's, you don't, somebody didn't say, well, now you have to go home tonight. You're married. You don't, if somebody tells you that, you're probably really on the way to divorce. Look, you need to leave work right now. I don't want to go home. But when you're in love, it's like I'm clocking out as early as I can. I cannot wait to get home. And when you're in love with God, it's not like I have to go to churches. I can't wait to get to church. I cannot wait to get to church. I set you up, and some of you, it was a swing and a miss. If I clap, am I a hypocrite? Because I really didn't want to be here today. Anyway, now, I'm going to get through this very slowly here. Exploration towards your expectation is caused by the following, okay? Number one, many people have expectations born out of desperation. In other words, life has to be better than this. It cannot get any worse, so many people get desperate, and that's not a bad thing. They go, I, I've got to make changes because things are horrible. And so you, based on that desperation, you begin to explore new expectations in your life, and you start thinking, if I do this, I can expect this to happen. So you say, I don't have a job. You haven't even looked for one, but now you're desperate, so you start looking for one, and, and you start expecting now to get paid, and you will if you show up and you work and you do what you're asked to do. But desperation is, is a platform that people use to launch into a new era in life. Promise. Somebody says, well, you know, they promised if. So now all of a sudden you, you get a promise and you start expecting things to happen because you were promised these certain things if you did certain things. And so you start expecting things because you were promised those things. For instance... What I tell people is, I believe in the Bible, so I believe that as we stand on the promises of God and we, we do what we need to do for those promises to come to pass, that they will. They don't happen overnight, but I've got promises in here I'm standing on. And the uh, Bible says, one, if a thief is caught stealing, they have to repay seven times. So I have an expectation based on that promise that I'm going to keep exploring until that happens and expecting until that happens. So if something's stolen from you, whether it's peace or money or whatever it might be, God, I have an expectation based on your promise that that peace was stolen or I gave it up, however you want to look at it, or even I have my house was broken into some years ago, and I have an expectation of certain things based on that, uh, what was stolen. And uh, I don't, I haven't told God how to do it. You know, uh, uh, actually what's really funny, and this is just so happened, I never wear this watch. 
um, and I had a watch collection when they broke into my house. It was a pretty nice watch collection, and, and uh, when I turned 50, about 10 pastors across the country, uh, to my surprise, showed up on a Wednesday night church service, and, and uh, they had all gone together to buy me uh, um, a Breitling uh, Bentley watch. It was a very expensive watch, and I would never have bought it for myself. But they knew I liked watches, so they bought it for me. That was one of the things that was stolen. So I happened to be at a friend of mine's house who is very well off. Uh, he lives in Texas. And uh, we were just sitting around talking, and his wife said, well, tell me about your break-in. Well, he didn't know my house had been broken into. And uh, so we're sitting there talking, and this guy's a really unique guy. He can disappear in a minute. I mean, he is, uh, he's just, he, he just kind of ADHD, and you never know what he's going to be. I mean, just get up and walk out. So I've known him. He's a dear friend and never bothered me. He just, he just is that guy, and he's very wealthy as a result of his ability to move and groove. And so he walks out. We're talking, and right in the middle of this conversation, there are several of us there. He leaves the room. Okay. So all of a sudden, and he walks real slow. He's never in a hurry. And he comes back, and he has this watch in his hand. And guess what it is? It's a Breitling. And he says, I didn't know you lost your watch. Here, take this one. And, I, and, and so a part of that is God's miracle of bringing back to me that which was stolen. And so, I, but that's been my, I declare things all the time. And sometimes I even forget. I just say, God, you know, whatever was stolen from me, you know what it is. I don't have to keep a record of it. You know, and I'm just thanking you ahead of time that the thief that's caught stealing has to repay. Even though this guy didn't steal it, he was the answer to my prayer. I didn't need the people who stole it to bring. Matter of fact, this one's better than that one. I mean, this one's a custom. Don't even think about coming to my house now. I may be a pastor, but I shoot on sight if you're uninvited. And then I'll bury you with the finest burial father in the name of Jesus. I'll give you a good burial, but you're dying. You better pray to Jesus before you get near my crib now. So, the third thing is curiosity. A lot of people change their expectations because they're curious. A lot of people, when you tell them a testimony about your life, you create curiosity. They, get, they, they start thinking, I wonder if that could happen to me. I, I wonder if God would do that for me. What, what did you do for that to happen? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm always asking people, how did that happen to you? How did that happen for you? How did that? And you get curious. And now when you get curious and you start asking the right questions, your expectations begin to escalate, elevate. And all of a sudden you go, that could happen to me. That could happen for me. God could do that if he did it for you. The Bible says he doesn't show favorites. He could do it for you. He'll do it for me. And so we can't. Let our expector die. As a matter of fact, I hired a company one time. We had a large staff, and I said, I want you to come in and uh, help us out. And he said, one of the lines, I'll never forget it. He says, uh, you need to always inspect what you expect. So if you have an expectation of something that you are believing for, let's just go with weight loss, which... It's June. Usually this is January when people go, okay, I'm going to lose 80 pounds this year. And it's June, you put on 20. And so, 
It's usually what happens. Why? Because you quit inspecting what you were expecting. You didn't expect what you were eating in February like you did in January. So you quit inspecting what you were expecting to happen. Don't get mad at me. You can still go to KFC. It's finger licking good. And some of y'all been licking your fingers. Anyway, so what happens is we quit inspecting. And, and uh, every now and then I'll, I'll find myself doing that. I'll go, hold it. I got I to gotta start inspecting by doing what I need to be doing to get what I'm expecting to get. And so you say, well, you know, I, 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 let, me just, let me be a little nicer here. You, you don't feel loved. And you said, this year, I'm going to do something about that. What am I going to do? I'm going to start loving people. Instead of waiting on people to show love to me, I'm going to show love to people. And that goes for a while, and then all of a sudden, you slip back into the way you were. And you need to inspect and ask yourself the question, have I been loving? And you start inspecting that because you've been expecting to be loved. But once you start inspecting your life, no wonder you haven't gotten what you expected after you inspected how you've been having, uh, acting. I know you're confused. I did that on purpose. Because the thing is, we all get disappointed. We all find moments of disappointment. But we cannot live in disappointment. You see, when you get disappointed, it, it, it dries, the Bible says, it dries up your bones. And, and you, you, you wither away because you, you've lost hope. Your expectations have faded. You, you've, now you just get up every morning and do what you've done because that's just what you do. God does not want us to live a life without faith and expectation. Not a life without hope. You know, and I, I've pondered in my lifetime that, that someday I might live long enough to have this thought. And I've, I played ball after I was out of high school uh, some city leagues and stuff, and and uh, some of the coaches were at that time a lot older than me. I was in my twenties and uh, late twenties and still playing. And they they began to retire from their job and give more time to what we were doing. And it wasn't any time that uh, after that that they passed away. They 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 didn't have anything to get up to in the morning. They they just got up, and and it, I'll never forget it. And I began thinking. What can I expect? And, and nothing. I'm not downing anybody who's retired. That's not my point. But, man, you can never quit expecting, having things you're expecting and believing for in life. I mean, I know some of you say, well, it's hard to get out of bed. I'm expecting to be able to do that tomorrow. Well, God bless you. But believe beyond that. <laughs> now that I get out of bed, I expect what? To make it to the kitchen? <laughs> then after that, to the easy chair? And then after that, back to bed. We've lost so much of our passion that, that, that I, I, I just, I'm expecting greater things as I get older than I w did when I was younger. And, and I'm not going to tell you what those are. But it's happening in my life. And, and you've got to keep your expector going. Curiosity. Now, uh, my, one of my mentors, and for years I, I trained leaders with a guy named John Maxwell, and um, all, all over the world, and, and he's such a, a great thinker. And he says these things. He says, 
You can expect change when the following things happen. And you'll find yourself in one of these, I'm sure. You can expect people to change when they hurt enough that they have to. When they hurt enough that they have to. And so we all hate pain. We all hate hurt. We hate those things. And yet the Bible clearly states, and I repeat it all the time, Christ learned obedience through the things he suffered. And, and so nowadays, pharmaceuticals don't make you, they don't, you don't even have to suffer anymore. There's medication for everything. And I'm not against medication. I'm not against science. I'm not, and, until it replaces my faith, my faith, not yours, until it replaces my faith in God. And then I have to go, God, I, and, and I, I'm telling you, I know what pain is. I, I live with it almost every day, and I'm believing God every day. That, that, that I'm just asking for a miracle. Actually, I'm kind of playing God right now. Not, I'm not playing him, but i got to play on him going, okay, God, I could have surgery right now, but I'm not going to. So you need to get her done. Now, see, the people that would be on the other side of that spectrum, religious people say, well, just go, just go have it cut on. Thinking, I don't know about you, but I'm going to get excited about going under the knife. And so, I'm believing God, and guess what? I believe it's going to happen, and it will be a true blue miracle because I have x-rays. And, of course, what doctors will say, well, that the machine must have been broken. Because there's no way this could have happened. No way. Medically, scientifically impossible. And I want to go, yeah, you can think what you want to think. I know how it felt for the time, from the time you x-rayed it to now. I know how it felt. I know how it felt every day. And now it doesn't feel that way anymore. I'm expecting God to do a miracle. When Oral Roberts uh, had left Oral Roberts University, moved out to California. I, I had known Oral and the family for a while, so I went to spend the day with him. And he said, I said, Oral, tell me what was the, the greatest difficulty, one of the greatest difficulties of your life. What, what did you get the most criticism for? He said there were two things. He said, one, when I came up with the phrase, God is a good God, he said the religious world attacked me. Because back in the day, and some of you young people, you, you didn't have to deal with this. Back in the day, people didn't see God as a good God. They saw him as a judge. And that someday he was coming back, and he was going to divide everybody out, and it wasn't fair. And, and so God wasn't a good God. He, they, he was God, but they didn't see him as a good God because they, they thought, well, he sends people to hell. Let me help you right now. God will send no one to hell. Well, listen to this. Here's why. You say, well, you mean no, everybody's going to heaven? I didn't say that. God will not send them, they will choose it by not choosing him to be Lord and Savior. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let y'all sort this out. If you accept me, you're coming to heaven. If you don't, then you're sending yourself. I'm not sending you. He said, it's not my will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Secondly, when they see enough, they are inspired to change when they see enough so when they hurt enough when they see enough so I don't know what category but you're going to find yourself in probably one of these when they see so when they see something good happening to you they see a change in you that you inspire them they've watched you and that was the thing with me when I got born again 
I, I lived in a very small community, so it wasn't a big deal to be a big thing in my community. You just had to raise just enough hell to get there. And I did. And so when I got born again, the question was, matter of fact, when I started my first church in 1994, somebody called and said, now, I just got to ask, my first secretary I hired, they called and said, now, is this the Mark Crow from Berry Hill, pastor in church? Yeah, it was quite a, and I, I laughed because they, I knew that they knew that I had a lot of fun. And all of a sudden, they started seeing, and I think it was inspiration. I'm not boasting, but I think it inspired them, and they, they started coming to the church. Not, that, not at that time. I think they had to see if this was real. But it, it was inspirational. Number three, when they've, Learned enough, they want to. When they've learned enough. Now all of a sudden when somebody learns that you don't have to be perfect to be saved. See, a lot of people, if if a lot of people outside of church knew that their salvation was not based on their goodness but God's goodness, when they learn that, they go, I'm in. But it's a lot of weight to think I've got to be good enough and behave well enough to be able to go to heaven and you know that you'll never be enough. It causes many people to say, why even start? But when I began to learn the message of grace, mercy, faith, messages I never heard preached as a kid, I thought I can do this. Because he's already done it, and now he's doing it in me, and he's doing it through me. And when I fall down, he doesn't step on me. He reaches down to pick me up. When I began to hear that God was forgiving and loving and merciful, it changed everything for me. If if that were not the case, I wouldn't be standing up here today. But I, 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 I live what I've preached, that when you fall down, get up. Don't stay down. Don't whine. Don't complain. It's not the end. It's not over. Get up and run. I was watching a, a video of, I, I love watching sports videos, and uh, there was a, uh, I, I forget how, whether it was a mile or meters, whatever it was, but it was a, it was a, a pretty long race, probably a, maybe a mile race, I say. And, and in the process, the one girl was in a tight run with another one. The girl tripped her from behind. She falls down. And, and they keep on going. Long story short, I, I was shocked. The video, she gets up and, and just full throttle, catches up with the pack, passes them, and right at the tape, she passes the, the last girl that she had to pass to win first because she got up, she didn't give up. She had an expectation of winning that race, and she had a stumble during that race, but she didn't quit in the race. As long as the race is being run, don't you ever quit. You may be behind. You may have been bankrupt. You can't see how God can fix this. I'm telling you, God's got money in places you don't know where it's at, and you don't know how it's coming, but God does. If you'll keep on running, you'll keep believing, you'll keep the faith, God will do what he says he will do. And then lastly... When they receive enough, they are able to. So now when they receive enough, 
they're able to change. When they've gathered all this information, got everything they need, now I'm able to change. I'm able to expect something different. You see, throughout the summer, my expectation is based on what I don't see, not what I do see. So in the summertime, I say, well, God, I know people are taking breaks, and some people are just being slothful. Others are being recreational. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I I tell you, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm thinking, it's like, okay, so we're going to take a sabbatical from God? I just hope Jesus comes back in the summertime. It'd be a lot of fun to watch people. I didn't know he would come back in July. Or I'd have been in church. Now I'm scaring some of you. I'm just playing with you. You'll probably go to heaven anyway. Anyway, so. (laughs) But if I'm not careful as a pastor, and a lot of pastors will tell you this, it's so easy to get discouraged on Monday. It's like the devil works, you know, like he might mess with y'all on Friday and Saturday night. He messes with preachers on Monday morning. You look at what you preached, what you said. I used hell yesterday in my sermon. <laughs> and y'all are okay with it. You're, you're numb to it. Somebody comes, he said, raising hell? It is what it is. I mean, it's a true story. I'm not going to polish this testimony up with all the right words. I think that's what dilutes testimony sometimes. I like to hear the raw stories of people's lives that are getting turned around. And so... My expectations every Monday are attacked with what I said, what I didn't do, who I said hi to, who I didn't. Somebody got offended. Folks, let me just tell you, it's not worth getting offended over. You know, people there, one person recently said, music's too loud. I said, we have earplugs. I mean, it's amazing what people will do to not go to church or find another church. I'm like, look. Music's going to be loud at any great church. I promise you. We come to worship God. We don't come to whisper. We come to worship. And you say, well, it's just too loud for me. Well, you're just a funny dud. And the, the same people that will be on the front row at a friggin' rock concert. <laughs> yeah, baby. Blowing, your ears are bleeding, but come to the house of God. And, oh, my God, it's just so loud. So, anyway, exploration begins with looking inside ourselves and asking God, what do I need to change in order to expect what I'm expecting? Not what do you need to change. Not what does your spouse need to change. Your boss needs to change. What do I need to change? Because you can excel in any environment. If God be for you, who can be against you? Expect it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For expecting great things for us, even when we're not expecting great things. You keep expecting us to do what needs to be done. To receive the promises that you hold in your hand for us. You want to give. You desire to give. You desire to bless. So God, I pray that you would uh, cause our expectations to align themselves with your expectations. For our behavior to change, not so we can go to heaven, but so we can receive the promises you have for us here on earth as well as heaven. 
So, Father, we just stand expecting today that we will put ourselves in the right places, the right times, with the right people to experience all that we're expecting. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we want to pray a prayer that is called the prayer of salvation. It's very simple. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we call on the name of the Lord every week before we leave. We pray. And those of you watching online, watching this recorded, pray with us right now as we pray this prayer. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I expect great things. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you, you prayed it because you needed to receive Christ or you're recommitting your life to Him. I want to ask you to text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Put your name in there, 405-500-1310. Just put, text it right now. If in-house you prayed that prayer and you need someone right now to pray with you, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage in just a little bit. It's important that you make that move as we're exiting you can go over privately to one of our prayer team members today i gave my life to jesus and they'll pray with you keep praying for you throughout the week and uh longer than that so please take the time to do that don't be in a rush to get out hello this is pastor mark crow i just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online we hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.